This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. Our hour of old-time radio begins with Philo Vance this week. We'll hear the rooftop murder case from May 2nd, 1950. After that, it's Mr. and Mrs. North and Two Deaths for a Hero. That story aired May 25th, 1954. You see, Vance, our office doesn't handle only murder cases. Sometimes, as in this one, the case is a little less physical, but still, it's interesting. You don't have to convince me that being a district attorney isn't dull, Mark. <laughs> uh, this Joe Somer, whom we're going to see, just what is the charge against him? His partner is accusing him of grand larceny. Oh. I happen to know Somer pretty well, and before an indictment is handed down, I want to talk to him. I liked him. Quiet, always considerate. Uh, nice of you to come with me, right? I'm glad of the chance to get out of the office. Good. Well, this is the street you said Somer lives on. This house should be that one. There's a crowd around that house, man. Something's happened. No doubt about that, my friend. Let's find out what. There's a police officer over there, Markham. Yes. Let's find out about this. I'm with you, Vance. Hey, stop coming, will you? Pardon me. Sorry. Excuse me, please. Get back, everybody. Get back there. Oh, officer, I'm District Attorney Markham. Oh, sure, I recognize you, Mr. Markham. It's quite a thing we have here. Fellow lives here, a man named Joe Somer jumped or fell from the roof of his house. What? He was dead when he hit the ground. Joe Somer, Markham. That's the man you wanted to see. Not right now. It was suicide, all right, Mr. Markham. Almost hit a couple of people when he jumped. That's awful. I uh, found a suicide note in the house. There wasn't anybody home, but the note was right where I couldn't miss it when I went in. I'll uh, turn it in with my report. All right, officer. Well, Vance, I promised you a case. It looks like it's over before it even began. That, my friend, is a matter of opinion. Perhaps there is no larceny case. But I have an idea that instead of it, we're going to have a murder investigation. Anderson, oh. DA in his office. Yes, he is, Sergeant. He's he's on the telephone, though. Well, oh, that's okay. You'll want to see me. No, but I'll let you know oh. if something develops. Five. Hello, he. Hi, DA. Just got a report on that suicide note found at Joe Somer's house. Yes. Completely legitimate, DA. We had our experts check the writing. There's no question, but that Joe Somer wrote it. He wrote a suicide note and apparently jumped from the roof of his house. What do you mean, apparently? Well, Philo Vance thought it might be murder. Oh, he did? Yes. That guy thinks everything is murder. I'm waiting for the day when there's a murder case that he'll say it's suicide. You'll have a long wait, Heath. Vance doesn't often make mistakes. Ah, everybody makes mistakes, D.A., even I do. Not you, Sergeant Heath. Yeah, me. And if I can make him, I guess Vance can make him once in a while, too. The possibility is there, undoubtedly. Well? The only thing is, I can't ever remember Vance being wrong for any length of time. 
imagine I'll be too long, Mrs. Somer. All Thank right. you for letting me use this desk. I mean, it's quite all right, Mr. Vance, but just what are you writing? Nothing, really, just scribbling. Are there any more pens in this house? You've tried all of them that I could find, including Joe's fountain pen. What's the big idea? I won't know whether or not it's a big idea until later. Right now, I... Oh, there's someone at the door. Excuse me. Oh, go right ahead, Mrs. Somer. Please don't let me disturb you. Any more than you have, you mean. Yes? Oh, Mr. Dale. Mrs. Somer, uh, may I come in? Why, yes. Yes, of course. I have company, as you can see. Oh. Follow Vance, the private investigator. Mr. Vance, this is Alfred Dale, my husband's partner. How do you do? Hello, Vance. It took Joe's death to get you over to our house, didn't it, Mr. Dale? Well, I... Too bad you didn't find time to come here while he was still alive. Mrs. Somer, I assure you, Excuse I... me, please. Mrs. Somer, I'm finished with those pens. All right. Now, can you tell me what your husband was doing on the roof? I'm trying to find out if he deliberately went up there to commit suicide or if he got the idea while he was on the roof. He left a note, the papers say. Doesn't that indicate he went up there to jump? Not necessarily. And I believe I was asking Mrs. Somer. Oh, Sorry. When I left the house yesterday morning, Vance, I asked Joe to fix the radio aerial on the roof. That might have given him the idea. Yes, it might. May I go up and see the roof? If you like. Wait till I throw a coat over my shoulders and I'll go up with you. Might just as well see the place where poor Joe jumped. Like to come up, Mr. Dale? All right. This way, gentlemen. Up these steps to the second floor, then we go up through the attic to the roof. You done. There's a light at the top of these steps. I'll turn it on. You gentlemen might have a little trouble in the attic. There's no light there, and I'm afraid there are a lot of trunks lying around. There are in practically every attic. Go right ahead, gentlemen. I'll turn on this light. I'll see you, Dale. Suddenly. Very well. You know, there's something about this procession reminds me of the three little Indians. Isn't that ten little Indians? Not after seven of them were killed. You're perfectly right, of course. Careful now, it's pretty dark up here. Indeed it is. Just walk straight ahead, Mr. Dale. There are a few steps leading up to the roof. You know, there are times when I... Oh! oh. oh Sorry, I must have kicked one of your trunks. It can stand it. Find the steps all right, Mr. Dale? Yes, yes, all right, sir. Good thing you brought your coat, Mrs. Summer. Yes, I suppose it is. Well, so this is the roof from which your husband jumped, fell, or was pushed to his death. Pushed? My husband killed himself then. There, see, there's the aerial I told you about. Look over here on the other side of it. You see where there's new wire around the insulator? Yes, I do. Apparently, your theory was right, Mrs. Somer. I imagine so. Hmm. Well, what else do we do now that we're up here? Not a thing. We've done everything I wanted to do. But what's more important, I've found out everything I wanted to know. I'm just about to go to bed, Markham, but I thought I'd call you and report what happened today at the Somers' house. You know, I'm very anxious to hear. What'd you find out? Well, first of all, I met Joe Somers' partner, Alfred Dale. You did? We went up to the roof. What? Matt, what happened? Shot. Matt, are you there? What happened? It's all right, my friend. Good. I'm lying here on the floor, out of reach of any second bullet. Besides, there's no light in the room now. Somebody fired at me from the fire escape and got the lamp instead. But, man, how can you be that calm? Somebody just tried to kill you. Yes, I know. And that means you're right. That Somers' death wasn't suicide, but murder. 
And the murderer was just close to you. That isn't the only thing the shot meant, Markham. It also meant that I am very close to the murderer. You're a smart dame, you are. Your husband knocks himself off, and what do you do? You come running to me. Tony. What is this, a playground? Tony. Tony, Tony, what do you expect from me? Oh, Tony. You're going to knock myself out crying? I get smart. You're cute and I like it, but keep away from me for a while. But I don't understand why. You don't understand why. I'll tell you why. You inherit a lot of dough. That special clause about suicide in your husband's insurance takes care of you. Me, I'm a mug. All right, so you go for me. So the cops find out. So what'd they say? What can they say? What can they say? They can say I knocked off your old man so I could get you in that dough. But Tony... But Tony, you can butt Tony me for now. So, there's... Well, I finally got you two together. All right, now, Lila, take it easy. Well, this is the dame that took my place. I was hoping I'd find her here. I'm going to turn her inside out. I'm going to... Oh. <gasps> out. Now, you heard me. I said out. Oh, no, you don't. I don't get rid of easy. Nobody's moving in till I get ready to move out, and I'm not ready yet. No, no, get out of here, Lila. Why? Because you slapped me? Come on. You slapped me before, and I stayed. What did yeah, you Yeah, yeah, stop, yeah, stop yeah. pushing me. When I say out, I mean out. Tony, you'll be awfully sorry sure, about this. Sure, sure, sure. I'll make you... Out. Tony, let me in. Let me in. I'm sorry, sweetie. I guess Lila's got a temper. Tony, you guess she has. You're a pretty Tony. good guesser. I hate to think what that girl would have done to me if you hadn't stopped her. Right now I'm thinking about what she's going to do to me because I did. Now look, Markham, you listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I don't doubt that, Miss... Uh... Uh, just call me Lila. I'm going to hand you the murder of Joe Soma. Hand him to you right on a silver platter. That's all very well, Lila, except that indications are that Soma committed suicide. He left a note. I don't care what he left. I know a guy who wanted him dead. Just fool around with that. <laughs> wishing someone were dead rarely is fatal to a victim. Huh? Well, Tony didn't only wish. He gets what he wants. And he wanted Mrs. Soma. Joe Soma was in the way. Tony got rid of him. I don't know how, I just know he did. All right, Lila. Let's concede for a moment that you know he did. How do you prove it? That isn't my job. You're the district attorney, aren't you? I was when I looked last. Oh, very funny. Uh, just a moment. I want to call Fido Vance. Well, you'd be better off calling a cop and having him pick up Tony. Up until now, Lila, I've been a pretty good judge of my own welfare, thank you. Hmm. Hello, Vance speaking. Uh, Markham Vance, listen, there seems to be more and more confirmation of your murder theory about Joe Sommer. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Markham. Actually, and originally, it wasn't a theory, merely an idea, despite that suicide note. Which has never been explained. But which will be. Good. Now, what's the extra confirmation you called me about? Well, there's a girl in my office. Markham. A girl named Lila, who is the ex-girlfriend of a racketeer named Tony Lester. She's been superseded by... Guess who? Mrs. Somer. Oh, now, Van. Well, it had to be Mrs. Somer, or it wouldn't have had any connection with this case, in which event you wouldn't have called me. Reasonable? Reasonable, understandable, and accurate. That's what it is, Vance. Now, this girl claims Tony is the kind of character who wouldn't let a mere murder stand in the way if he wanted something. All right, that is. Please, Lila. What? Uh, nothing, Vance. I wasn't talking to you. Oh. Well, I thought I'd let you know about this development. Well, thank you. 
Now I'll let you know something. Yes? Despite the suicide note, which I'll explain some other time, I'll repeat that it definitely was murder. And I'll tell you something a little more important. And that is? That I also know who pushed Joe Somer off the roof. This is District Attorney Markham. The rooftop murder case began with the apparent suicide of Joe Somer. Vance, believing Somer was murdered, has found substantiation of his theory despite the presence of a bona fide suicide note. Inasmuch as Vance insists it is a murder, I know we have three suspects. Tony Lester, a racketeer, Alfred Dale, Somer's partner, and Somer's widow. To continue our investigations, I have met Vance in the office shared by Somer and Dale. Vance, I found the partnership papers right here in the desk drawer. Uh, Vance, you're not listening to me. Oh, yes, I am, my friend. I was just trying out all the office pens. Are you through now? No. There. You now have my undivided attention. Good. What does the partnership contract say? Uh, that in the event of death of one partner, the other partner takes over completely. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, is Alfred Dale the murderer? I've just found his motive. Yes, you most certainly have. <laughs> Issue properly evaded. <laughs> Very well, tell me this. What are you trying all those office pens for? I tried all of the pens at Somer's house. With the cooperation of the homicide department, I borrowed the suicide note Somer left. And I can tell you definitely none of the pens wrote that note. In fact, I don't believe any of the pens in this office were used either. But the note was definitely written by Somer. So you keep telling me. And I agree that it was. What's the answer? You think Somer wrote a suicide note? The murderer knew he wrote it with the intention of killing himself, but acted regardless? Hardly. What? what? Well, what's going on? Oh, hello, Mr. Dale. This is District Attorney Mark. How are you? you We've been using your office. So I see. We have a search warrant, Mr. Dale. It's entirely legal. It's a little embarrassing. You'll have to admit that. Legal enough. Mr. Dale, if I were you, I wouldn't worry about any embarrassment that might be caused you in this office. Uh, What do you mean? Yesterday, when you and I and Mrs. Somer were on the way to the roof, the attic was very dark. It was then. You were in the lead, but you avoided a trunk that I promptly bumped into. What? Yes, that's true, now that I recall it. Mrs. Somer said you'd never been in that house before. Yet, you avoided the trunk. Oh, I have the... the, I have very good eyesight. Or a good memory. What do you mean? I just don't want you to resent our being here, that's all. We do have good reason, don't you think? I don't think I have anything to say. That, Mr. Dale, is probably the smartest thing you've said since you came into this room. What does that mean? That I'm due to be arrested any moment on suspicion of murder? I wouldn't say that. Not any moment, Mr. Dale. I want to be very sure of my proof before Mr. Markham makes any arrest in this case. Tony, I'm sorry. Uh, You'll never know how sorry I am. I went to the district attorney. She's sorry. She rats on me. Now she's sorry. Look, I'm getting tired of kicking you out of my apartment. I'll beat it, Lila. Oh, let me stay, Tony. I won't be any trouble. Just just let me hang around. Out. Oh, you're expecting that summer day. She's going to be here. Shut up, you. Don't you talk about it. Don't even say her name. Oh, I'm not good enough to say her name, huh? I'll say it. I'll scream it so that everybody can hear it. Shut up, I said. 
All right, get out. Get out fast before I change my mind and start tossing you out. Well, are you going? Tony. Tony, darling. Tony, Tony, darling. You make me sick. How did I ever go for a dame like you anyhow? Sometimes I think I'm... Oh. Okay, Lester, open it up in there. Who is it? Sergeant Heath, oh, homicide. Open up. Oh, you really did it to me, didn't you, Lila? I've got to get out of here. I can't stand a pinch right now. Oh, yeah, Tony, I left the door unlocked when I came in. Oh, you dope, you. Okay, Lester, hold it. You're not going anywhere. According to you. According to me, I'm leaving right this minute. Hold it, I say. Okay, okay. Thanks for the warning shot. I can take a hint, Heath. You want me to go with you? I, I go. Tony, oh, Tony. Come to think of it, even you'll be better company than this. What is it you wanted now, Mr. Vance? All the clippings you have on a man named Joe Somer. I don't imagine there'll be too many. Well, if his name was ever in our paper, we'd have the clips in an envelope. You don't want the stuff on a suicide, do you? No. Ah, it's a good thing those clippings haven't been filed yet. T to T U T U T S S S E S E S E S U. Oh, here we are. Silly, Skelly, small. Oh, small. Oh, here we are. Somer. Joe. Here's his envelope, Mr. Vance. He feels kind of thin. Well, I expected that. Now, to see what's in it. Mm-hmm. Two clippings. One dated yeah. five years ago. A little item about the marriage of Joe Somer and Dorothy Blaine. The other... Hmm. Interesting, huh? Very. This first clipping is even more revealing, however, in the light of the second one. Listen to this first one. Introduced only three months ago at a beach club, Dorothy Blaine and Joe Somer culminated a whirlwind romance in marriage at the home of so-and-so last night. Couple left for a honeymoon in Bermuda. Well, that's not too unusual. In view of this, it is. Listen, here's the second clipping. Uh Joe Somer, local businessman and partner in the firm of Somer and Dale, was taken to Mercy Hospital this morning, suffering from a nervous collapse. Yeah, yeah. According to Alfred Dale... Only his fortunate earlier arrival at the office prevented his partner's suicide. That that means something, huh? It does to me. It's going to mean a whole lot more to Alfred Dale. Tony! Tony! Oh, it's you. Tony, I waited out here in the street to find out what would happen to you. So what? I heard you were arrested. You heard I was arrested. Sure, I was arrested, but I'm out. Did they think you killed my husband? How do I know what they think? All I know is I'm getting out of town. I'm going with you. Now, don't be a dope. I need you like I need a hole in the head. You're taking me. I'm going home to pack right now. I'll meet you at the airport in an hour. Now, listen. You better take me, Tony. It'll be so much better for you if you do. <laughs> I'm a busy man, Vance. I can't be running around town just because you call me and want me to be somewhere. You won't be bothered very much longer, Mr. Dale. That's good. I wonder why Mrs. Somer doesn't answer her bell. You'd better try it again. Did it ever occur to you that perhaps she isn't home? Did it ever occur to you that this house might be watched? And if she weren't home, that man across the street who happens to be Sergeant Heath of the Homicide Department would have told me... But it's still a Mr. Vance. Yes, and Mr. Dale, your husband's partner. You two remember each other, of course. Naturally. 
We're coming in, Mrs. Somer. Yes, of course. I really don't know what I'm doing here, Mrs. Somer. I don't either. What is it you want, Vance? We want to go into the living room, for one thing. We'll talk out here, if you don't mind. Oh, but I do. Well. Well, what's that I see in the living room? A trunk. Going somewhere, Mrs. Somer? Come in, gentlemen. Yes, I was going somewhere. I was leaving town. Any objections, Vance? Definitely. Mrs. Somer, do you own a gun? Of course not. What kind of a question is that? Figure it out. You see, the person who killed your husband fired a shot at me the other night. You're convinced that someone killed my husband? Yes. That he didn't commit suicide? That's right. Dale, do you own a gun? Why, I... Oh, come now. It'll probably be on record if you do. All right, Vance. I own a gun. And I carry it. I'll take it if you don't mind. You are? Thank you. Pardon my back a moment, Mrs. Somer. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vance, what are you trying to do? Stop right there, Dale. I want you to remember something for me. Just one second while I lay your gun down on the table. Now. Now what? Mr. Dale, do you recall that about six or seven years ago your partner tried to commit suicide? Yes, I do. You left a suicide note at that time. What happened to it? Why, I... I don't know. I do. It's the same suicide note the police found in this house just after Mr. Soma was pushed off the roof. It had to be. There wasn't a pen in this house or in your office that matched the pen or ink used in that letter. The police found the first suicide note planted here to indicate Soma really did it the second time. What are you trying to prove? And if it's the fact that I murdered my husband, let me inform you that I never even knew him when he tried to kill himself the first time. That's correct. You didn't. Oh, I see what you're driving at. That's good. I took the note six years ago, kept it, killed Soma the other day and left the note here, and you thought I was in this house before when you discovered I didn't trip over the trunk in the darkened attic. Is that what I'm driving at? Well, it, it must be. But I won't stand for it, Vance. I, I won't be framed for murder. Stop right where not... you are, Dale. Do yourself a favor. Don't make me force you to stay. Mrs. Thomer. Yes? You killed your husband, of course. So you say. So I say and so I can prove. And you know I'm not bluffing, don't you? You knew you gave yourself away up on the roof the other day. That's the reason you tried to kill me in my apartment. Yes. I know you're not bluffing. I realize what I did. And I realize that I've got to kill you now. You realize that too, don't you? Vance, she's picked up my gun. She won't use it. Oh, no? Now, Mrs. Thomer... I won't use it, huh, Vance? That's what you think. Vance, my gun is loaded. He knows. And he must know that I'm going to shoot both of you now. The gun won't fire, what? Mrs. Somer. I took out the bullets when I turned my back on you a moment ago. Now I'll take that gun away. That will be all, Mrs. Somer. All that is, except my explaining to Mr. Markham how I knew it was you. I guess there isn't anything more to tell in this case except the most important thing of all. How did you know it was Mrs. Sommer? First of all, we know from her confession that she found her husband's old suicide note. Vance, please, how did you know she was the murderer? Well, Markham, she claimed she was not at home when her husband allegedly jumped to his death. Yes? She said he went up to the roof to fix a radio aerial. 
And that's what gave him the idea to come down, write the suicide note, then go back and jump. That was her story. She said she hadn't been on the roof after her husband was killed until she went up with Dale and me. Yet she knew the aerial was broken. Well, she could have known that without going up there, Markham. A wire dangling, bad reception if a radio set were in good order, a number of ways. There was one thing she couldn't know, though. What was that? How it had been fixed. She walked right over to the spot where a new wire had been wound around the insulator. Yes. The only way she could have known that was if she had been there when her husband was fixing it. Or... Of course, immediately after, which wasn't likely. It couldn't have been immediately after that. She had to leave the house after pushing him off the roof. She probably left by a back exit, went shopping, and returned in time to hear the bad news. Undoubtedly. When she walked to the aerial, she knew she'd made a mistake. But she wasn't sure that I knew what she had done. Oh? She tried to kill me so as to be on the safe side. But then when I let her alone for a while... She thought perhaps I hadn't noticed her error, and she didn't try to kill me again. Yes. I let her alone, as you must realize, because I wanted to be absolutely sure about her. I know that. Her motive was money. Money and her love for Tony Lester. Vance, one thing has always puzzled me about this case. You never knew Joe Somer. All you saw was his covered body the day we went up to his house. Yet, you didn't believe it was suicide even then. Why? Something you said, Markham. Something I said. Something you and the police officer said, rather. You told me how considerate a man Joe Somer was as we were driving over to see him. Yes, that's right. The policeman said that Somer narrowly escaped hitting some people who were walking in front of his house when he jumped. Oh, I see what you mean. A considerate man would have made sure he wasn't going to injure anyone else even though he had decided to do away with himself. That's right. Uh-huh. Of course, I wasn't sure. But subsequent events convinced me I was right. All I can say is that fortunately for us, we had you to get to the bottom of this murder. Thank you, but that's completely unimportant. The only thing that matters is that when we reached the bottom of the murder... We reached the end of the rooftop murder case. Bill, don't go in there. Get back, Jerry. Bill, please. And you too, Pam. Both of you get back. Whoever it is that's in here killed once and they can kill again. Mr. and Mrs. North. Starring Barbara Britton and Richard Denning. Listen as Pam and Jerry solve the mystery... Two Deaths for a Hero. There is no silence like the silence of a hospital at night. And here now, a woman waits in the chill gloom of the corridor, feeling the stillness grow colder, darker. Doctor? How is he, Doctor? Will he... Mr. Sears, say, what do you think of old Maxwell Packer dying? Yeah, huh? I heard, I heard. Maxwell Packer, yeah. How about that? Yeah, how about... Yeah, how about that? 
as the body of Dr. Maxwell Packer was laid to rest on his palatial estate this morning, this nation and the entire free world mourned the loss of the man whose almost legendary life as philanthropist, scientist, and explorer... Okay, Ralph, him you to all who... Well, you see what I mean, Jerry? The man is a legend. And a book that tells the real story of Maxwell Packer will have everything. Romance, adventure... Okay, Ralph, I'm convinced. Charity, mystery... That's the hitch right there. What hitch? The mystery. The way Packer always kept his personal life separated from his life as a public figure. Oh, for Pete's sake, Jerry, you know me better than that. How many books of mine have you published? Four or five. And you still think I can't get past a gate at a Packer estate? Look, after chasing dictators, foreign ministers, and generals all over three continents... Hi, Molly. Ready for lunch? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were busy. Oh, come on in, Pam. Your secretary was out. You know Ralph Sears, don't you? Hi, Mrs. North. Nice to see you again. Mr. Sears, of course. I didn't recognize you. No, Pam, darling. You never say that to a best-selling author. Oh, especially not me. I'm the sensitive type. (laughs) Delicate instrument. Yeah. Ralph Sears, the demure meat cleaver. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. Can I use it someplace? (laughs) See what I mean, Pam? (laughs) Ralph here has been trying to convince me that he can cleave through the secret life of Dr. Packer. Maxwell Packer? Mm. Oh, golly, that would make a wonderful book. He certainly was a great man. There you see, Jerry. Packer's death is no subhead in the obituary page. It's a national tragedy. Who wouldn't want to know what makes a man like that tick? Well, there hasn't been any biography of him, has there? No, that's the trouble. No one has ever been able to get close enough to him or his family. I doubt if Mrs. Packer would be very receptive to the idea. Well, one way to find out. Think she'll see you, Ralph? She's practically been a recluse since Packer became ill. I'm having tea with her tomorrow afternoon at the Packer estate. Hey, 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 what the... Oh, 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 I'm terribly sorry. I thought I had the food myself. Did I get you very wet? No, it's all right. I guess I got off course. All these bridal paths, fountains, gardens... You must measure this estate in light years. Oh, now I know. You must be Ralph Sears. Mother's expecting you. You're Dr. Packer's daughter, right? Uh, well, call me Karen. It's better for my disposition. Help me out of this glorified bird bag, will you? All right. Here we go. Hey. Now, if you'll pass me that towel. Oh, yeah. Here you are. Ooh, chilly. <laughs> uh, you'll uh, find Mother in the West Garden through the gate next to that pot-bellied Cupid over there. I'm in no hurry. I know, Mr. Sears, but she is. Oh, uh, uh, you, uh, going to join us? As soon as I dry off with it. I wouldn't miss this Donnybrook for anything. No, Mr. Sears, I'm sorry. My husband has always considered his personal life to be a private affair. Now, Mrs. Packer, your husband was a public figure, was a national hero. The people of this country and other countries worshipped him, and they deserve to know more about a man like Dr. Packer. After all, they're the ones who established him as a man of influence and wealth and then... Uh, Power. That's the word you want, isn't it, Mrs. Sears? Karen. Sorry, Mother. My husband's reputation, Mr. Sears, was not established by anyone but himself. His story is told in his work. My husband built his own monuments, Mr. Sears. The Packer Institute of Scientific Research, the fellowships and scholarships he established. He's given his worshippers, as you call them, the benefit of his vast service to mankind. He's given them vicarious romantic thrills in his expeditions to the Arctic and Tibet and What the... Mother is saying, Mr. Sears, is no. 
The gates to this estate are closed to curiosity seekers and snooping newspaper men. You were permitted to enter because of your reputation as an author. That's the second time you've used that word, permit. If you consider yourself a newspaper man, you can consider the gates closed to you, too. Goodbye, Mr. Sears. Well, that's that. Oh, uh, Mr. Sears. Yeah? Why don't you write a book about some other famous man? Like... Say, Benedict Arnold. Ralph, you, you, you had another book you've been wanting to do. The one about those primitive tribes in Kurdistan. Oh, that are... no, Jerry, that can wait. After all, Ralph, you've got to understand that her husband's been gone less than a week. She's bound to be emotionally upset. No, Pam, it's more than that. There's something more than sentiment in her attitude, and I'll dig it out. You watch. Oh, pass me the salt, would you, Pam? Oh, I wish you'd forget it for now, Ralph. Let it rest for a while. Maybe later... Oh, you... sure, later. Later, some other clock will get the same idea and start digging. Anyway, I've broken ground already. Oh, what do you mean? Got a date with Karen tomorrow night. What? Yeah. I'm calling for her at that wind tunnel known as the Packer Mansion. I thought the gates to the place were closed to you. And so did I. Evidently, Karen intends to open the gates. <laughs> I get comfortable. Get that, will you, darling? Oh, all right. Hello. Hello, North. Jerry North? Speaking. Let me talk to Jerry North. This is Jerry North. Who's this? This is Ed Bigley, North. You don't know me, do you? Ed Bigley? No, I don't recall. Nobody knows old Ed Bigley. You know Karen, don't you? Karen, old man Packer's daughter? That's my wife. Your wife? Yeah, Karen's my wife, you know. Uh, Listen, North, are you really going to publish that book Sears wants to write? Well, Ralph and I have discussed it. Who is it, Jerry? You look worried. You're going to get yourself in a jam, kid, you and Sears. Your lady's real sore at Sears to snoop around and everything. And when that team gets sore, look out. And listen, North, you can bet that if you publish what Sears writes, she'll never let it get put on sale. Okay, Bigley, tell your mother-in-law there's a law that has something to do with freedom of the press. Oh, oh, specious, specious, specious. Now, listen, North. That dame has a lot of loot, North, and she's strong, too. She could put you right smack out of the publishing business. Now, look, Bigley, I'm not... North, I mean it. Now, that dame, she's tough and she's strong, North, and she's got more power than you or anybody thinks she has. So play it smart, North. Don't make her use it. Jerry, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I don't like anything about it. Oh, Pam, I know, but Ralph Sears is a big boy now. I can't tell him to keep away from the Packer family. But, Jerry, that... That man Bigley and, and Mrs. Packer, there's something evil about all this. I'm afraid for you and, and for Ralph and... 
Well, I'm just plain afraid. No, no, honey. The Packer family may be important, but they're not that important. I don't care how important they are. You're important to me, and I don't want anything to happen. All right, look. I'll, I'll call Ralph in the morning and talk to him about it. Maybe I'll be able to take the edge off that meat cleaver. I'm afraid Mrs. Packer's the meat cleaver here. Oh, for Pete's sake. Hello. Hey, Jerry, this is Ralph. Oh, hi, Ralph. Now, listen, listen, I just took Karen home. I spent the whole evening talking to her and taking notes. And, Jerry, I've got a story here that'll be... Look, I'll be over there in ten minutes. No, you won't. We're going to sleep. Oh, all right, all right. I'll wait till tomorrow, but I don't like it. Now, Jerry, you'll be able to sell the rights to this one to the dailies for a pre-publication run and then come out with a book that'll clean up. What time will you be at your office? Well, let's meet for lunch. For lunch? What'll I do until lunch? Oh, all right. I'll tell you what, I'll bring Karen along. I'll pick her up on the way, and I'll meet you at the Algonquin at noon. Sometimes I wish I hadn't married. All my wife does is nag, nag, nag. What happened now? Oh, she keeps telling me I should get SGLI insurance. Night and day, day and night. SGLI, SGLI. Then you haven't signed up for SGLI? Right. You don't have security and protection for your family? Yeah, right. And you're not buying the lowest cost insurance found anywhere? Right. And you aren't taking advantage of SGLI's new rate, which is 15% lower since July 1st? Yeah, right. You know what you are. What? Wrong. What time do you have, Pam? Uh, 12.30. Funny Ralph isn't here yet. Yeah, after all that eagerness. Well, look, there's Bill Wigand. Bill Wigand? Here... Well... Bill! Oh, Bill! Hi, Pam, Jerry. Your uh, office told me you'd be here. Hi, Bill. How have you been? Sit down, Bill. Join us. We're having lunch with Ralph Sears. No, I'm very much afraid you're not. We're not? Oh, we certainly are. He's a bit late, but... Sears won't be here, Pam. He was found at the Maxwell Packer estate about an hour ago. Found? Yeah, found. Shot in the back. Dead. This house is like a wind tunnel, isn't it? The family's in here. Well, Lieutenant Wagon, we were beginning to think you deserted the force. Had to stop by for the ballistics report. Oh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. North, this is Mrs. Bigley, uh, Karen Bigley. How, How do, do you do? And this is Mrs. Packer. I suppose, Mr. North, that you've told Lieutenant Wagon all about my son-in-law's phone call. Wasn't aware that you knew about it, Mrs. Packer. I knew about it. I knew all about it. Evidently, Ralph Sears knew something you didn't want him to know, Mrs. Packer. What are you trying to do, Lieutenant? Establish a motive for the killing? Mother was with me when it happened. As far as I can see, the motive has been established. Sears was killed to keep him quiet. Now, just what are you people hiding? What are you afraid of? We're not afraid of anything, Lieutenant, including you. If we do have secrets, we're entitled to protect them. My husband's reputation is worth protecting. Look, Mrs. Packer, a man's been murdered, killed, shot in the back. Now, is that the kind of protection your husband... I happen to love my husband, Lieutenant. I love him as much now as I did when he was alive. If a muckraking, mudslinging ghoul like Ralph Sears wants to rob his grave and ruin his name... How, Mrs. Packer? How could Sears ruin your husband's name? Mother, stop it. Uh, Mrs. Packer, is this your revolver? Yes, it is. Now, according to the report I received, the bullet that killed Sears came from this gun. Did you know that? No. 
No, I didn't. Well, Mother was with me when it happened. We were at the pool. The angle of the bullet as it entered the body points directly to your bedroom window, Mrs. Packer. Mother was with me, Lieutenant, with me. Karen. I'm sorry, Mrs. Packer, but I'll have to hold you on suspicion of murder. Mother, don't let them now, do this. Now, if you folks will wait here a moment, I'll escort Mrs. Packer out to the car. Mother was with me! With me! <laughs> Terribly sorry about all this, Kara. Uh, Mrs. Bigley. Forget it. Some of my best friends are murderers. Oh, really? I... Forget it, I said. Look, Mrs. Bigley, I suppose Will you, you stop this Mrs. Bigley business. Call me Karen. All right, Karen. I I suppose you knew your husband phoned me last night. I didn't until Mother told me about it. Well, how did your mother know? And why haven't you people heard? Mothers know everything. My mother knew that Ralph Sears knew too much and. Ed was right. She would go to any lengths to stop him from writing about it. She loved my father in spite of... In spite of what, Karen? What difference does it make? She didn't kill Ralph. She didn't. She didn't. In here, Mr. Bigley. Sure, Lieutenant. Sure. What's the matter, honey? You upset about all this, honey? Don't let all this upset you, Karen. It'll be Okay. You wait and see, it'll be okay. Uh, Mr. Bigley, I have a few questions. Ralph Sears was standing in the patio of the summer house when he was shot. Oh, poor Sears, poor old Sears. Your wife was at the pool. And Mother was with me. Now, that was about 10 to 11 this morning, Mr. Bigley. Where were you at that time? Me? Well, I was in the bar right down the hall there in the good old bar. Could you prove that if you had to? Look at him. Does he have to? Oh, poor Sissy. You know, it's a great little guy, that Sissy. Last night, him and me and Karen, well, we just talked and talked and talked. Ed. Kind of a fella guy could talk to that Sissy. Ever been married to the daughter of a national hero, Lieutenant? No, afraid not. You, Mr. North? Nope. You know, a fella marries the daughter of Maxwell Packer. And you know who he ends up being? Mr. Karen Packer. That's who. Ed, for heaven's sake. Oh, but Sissy, he understood things like that. Feller a guy could talk to. First fellow to be interested in anything I had to say since I became Mr. Karen Packer. Ed, shut up. Just what did you talk about, Ed? You and Sears. Well, shut we up, Ed, talked you about it. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to answer. Now, shut up, do you hear? Shut up! <laughs> doubt about a Karen's right. None of them has to say a word without a lawyer. From the looks of things, Ed Bigley said too many words, especially to Ralph Sears. And Bigley seems to be the only one who doesn't care if a family skeleton is aired. What about Karen? She made the date with Sears against her mother's wishes. She must have had a reason. Well, the way I figure it, she may have done that to appease him, to just keep him happy and maybe throw him off the track. And then maybe her husband talked too much. I'd sure like to know what Ralph knew. Well, it must have been big, the way he talked to me on the phone. Jerry! Oh, <gasps> didn't Ralph take notes? Of course he did. He told you he took a whole slew of notes on what he found out. Yeah, that's right, he did. Where's he live, Jerry? Uh, I mean, where did he live? In the village. Uh, he had a little apartment just off Washington Square. Hey, take it easy, Bill. Well, tell me which house it is when we get there. They're always six stories up or, or down in the cellar. Yeah. Well, here we are. 3C over there. 
Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter, Bill? Look. I don't see anything. Under the door, there's a light in there. Well, after all, it is nighttime and... Well... Yes, dear, but Ralph left here in the daytime. What are you going to do, Bill? I'm not sure yet. You two stay back out of the doorway. Look, Bill, we Stay can... back, I said. Get away from the doorway. If there's someone in there, it's probably because of those notes. Now, stand over there, both of you. And whoever it is, if they can kill once, they can kill again. Oh, be careful, Bill. Be careful. Look out, Bill. Nobody's here. Come on in. Oh, thank heaven. wonder why the light's on, Bill. I doubt if Ralph left it on. Well, nobody's here now, but someone's been here, all right. Look, it's desk drawers. Gee, they've been rifled, all right. Yeah, and look here. Fragments of paper in his typewriter, as if someone tore the paper out of the machine in a hurry. But who, Bill? Who? I don't know. But think about it, though. Who knew that Sears had these notes? Mrs. Packer? But she's in police custody. She couldn't have been here. Maybe Karen or, or her husband, Ed. Maybe. Let's find out. honey. Drink? No. Don't you ever stop. Karen, honey, your husband is cold sober. Well, that's a switch. Mm, that's the kind of a guy I am, honey. Drunk every day, and when I have something big to celebrate, I go out and get roaring sober. Come on, have one. What are you celebrating this time? Our future. You know, sometimes I think my father was right. You are out of your mind. Listen, your father's dead. Forget him. It's not that easy. It's easy enough for me. I had to stay drunk to forget him while he was alive. He's gone now, and that hatchet-faced mother of yours just about gone, too. Ed. Well, isn't she? They've got her for killing Sears, haven't they? She was with me when it happened, Ed, with me. Oh, they'll think you're protecting her. Look, they've got a gun. The bullet came from her bedroom. And after what I told Sears about your old man, she had a motive for the murder. A good motive. What, what, what are you talking about? Karen, honey, wake up. Everybody knows how your mother felt about your old man. He was a god. She'd do anything to protect his name. When the cops find the notes Sears took, that's it, the motive. She's as good as convicted. And if they don't find those notes... No, they'll find them. They... Where are you going? Getting my purse. Are these the notes you mean? Where'd you get them? Where'd you get those? From Sears' apartment. What the devil did you do that for? Because I'm the sweet, wholesome type who doesn't want her mother convicted of a murder she didn't commit. You idiot. You stupid fool. With her out of the way, who gets all this? Who gets all the dough and, and all this estate with its green, green grass and pot-bellied statues and swimming pools and, and, and all the money and... My father was wrong about a lot of things, but he was certainly right about you. And your father's dead now. Dead and buried. Just like the thousands, the millions of people he helped kill with the chemicals he sold them during the war. He's dead, and the world's going to know him for the man he really was. A fraud, a traitor, murderer. But I suppose you're so much better. What do you call someone who kills a man in cold blood? Shut up. Kills a man so he can inherit the fortune of a traitor and then frame someone else for the crime. What do you call someone like that, Ed? I call him smart. I call him real smart. Come here. Keep your hands off me. You stay away Smart, from me. I call him. Playing the lush all these years, waiting around, being stepped on, then setting all this up. Oh, that's smart, Karen. You should be proud of me. Don't you touch me. Come Don't here. Oh, oh. Karen, come back here. Karen. Karen, come back. Come back here. Okay, honey. You asked for it. No, you don't. Get his gun, Jerry. I got it. Oh, he won't be bothering us. Is Karen all right? Yeah, Pam's with her. Just a flesh wound. You were a better shot than Bigley. Yeah, 
Guys like Bigley make good targets. Feeling better, Karen? Much better, Mrs. North, thank you. Anything I can get you? Oh, no, I'm fine, thanks. Mrs. North? Mm-hmm? The newspapers... Ah, they've been pretty rough on my father. He was a traitor, Karen. You can't protect him forever. No, I guess not. You and your mother knew about him and his his dealings, didn't you? Certainly your mother knew. Well, not till after the war when it was all over. Well, then why did she protect him so? Ever been in love, Mrs. North? I still am. Come in. Hi, Karen. How are you feeling? Fine now, Mr. North, thank you. Jerry, you fool, you idiot, you goof. What? Walking around out there in the rain without a hat or coat, you'll catch cold and... See what I mean, Mrs. North? Love. Protection. (laughs) Gazootite, my love. That's going to do it for Case Closed this week. Don't forget to visit RelicRadio.com for more from Philo Vance, Mr. and Mrs. North, past episodes of Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes. You'll also find all the other podcasts there and our Shoutcast stream and everything else Relic Radio. You can donate through the website as well. If you'd like to help keep all of this going, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Thank you.